Hey guys, it's us. We're back. This is Kim and Melvin. Hey, say hey, Melvin. Hey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're back with another one, guys. Back with another one. You are tuned in to the Soul Sense Podcast. And we are on episode, I have no idea. Eight, I think. Okay, we'll go with that too. And so... What's... For our YouTube people, this may be recorded. We're giving it a shot, uh, shooting video. It may or may not be up. This is the first time. So. Please excuse the <laughs> Don't you hate. <laughs> Hating. <laughs> so anyways, Melvin... What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, you can't on? say that. We can get a uh, took off the internet. All for, right, really? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay, well. Um, nothing, man. I've just been uh, been a had a good weekend. Um, I can't even really think. Had a good Father's Day for sure. Uh, really Aww. good Father's Day. Uh, just chilled out, really. Um, I think one good thing I appreciate about you is uh, over the years. I think early on in our relationship, you, uh, you know, we just had to really kind of have that, that love language talk before we even knew that it was the love language talk. And, uh, I just kind of had to, to keep it real about what I enjoyed. You know, I don't, mm. I'm not a guy who likes a bunch of, you know, I don't like to run around. I don't like to be on, uh, you know, I just don't like a bunch of plans and a bunch of fuss if I have my way about it. So if it's something that I need to, if you're, in, uh, what do you mean, encouraging me, I just want it to be low key and, you know, just hang out with my family. That's another thing is I do really enjoy hanging out with y'all. So, but I I like dragging y'all to the places that I don't get ooh, to go regularly. Say that. God, like, ooh, he's being <laughs> real nice right about now because we went to, all his favorite places, and the kids were on ten. But you didn't, you didn't Ugh. make me feel rushed. You let Ooh. me go in, them wander around of Guitar ours. Center, wander around Best Buy. Ooh, them children of ours. Ooh, they was on ten, and I was, <laughs> <laughs> and they all wanted to. Fallon didn't want to be in her car seat, so I had to hold her. And so then that made Farrah wanted to come up to the front, so she climbed up there, and then she wanted to ask me 50 million questions. And then every time I put Fallon back, she screamed bloody murder because she has an attitude as a 10-month-old and uh, almost 11-month-old. So, yeah, you know, but he was encouraged, you know, uh it seems, you know, me and him are so different in that because I always know what I want to do on Mother's Day, my birthday, Christmas, all of the anniversary. I already have my restaurants picked out and, and activities, but, you know, to each his own. And uh, he's right. I had to learn the hard way early on in our marriage. I tried to, I think it was a birthday of yours where I tried to do something and I had did it up, y'all, like. <laughs> all these things and he was like oh, okay it's okay and i was like what you mean it's okay all this work and preparation and so he's like well you asked what i wanted and then i didn't like it i think i still got an attitude but after i calmed down i was like okay so he did tell me early on that he just wanted to do x y and z and i gave him i gave him a b and c so anywho but 
It was good. Our mm. oldest daughter gave, made three crafts for him, four crafts. And I was her assistant. Yeah, and that was, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, it comes to gifts. I mean, I can, you know, if I want something, I mean, I'm grown, I work. I could just go pick out what I want. I do like uh, presents, though. I do like that. but You can't ever make up your mind what you exactly. want. Exactly. So but that problem. that thing did hit my hit my uh, soft spot there, man. I, I was very happy to see uh Cause she she put in the work for it. Yeah. She was creative. Yes, yeah, she did. Like I literally w- really was her assistant. She told me to go to Google or what? How she says Google, <laughs> and she said let's find some ideas. And I I pulled up the images and we scrolled through and she picked out which one she wanted, and then she the little individual cards that she wanted. She made a tie. We did a tie and we decorated the tie and it said number one dad. And then she did two little small cards where she drew a picture on each one, one, two, and three. And then she had me write because she can't quite, she can write and read, but she's in the beginning stages. She's five. And so she told me what she wanted me to write on each card. So it was like, daddy lets me feed giraffes. And it was like, (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, what did he just say? She said he did it one time. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is your world. And she's like, Daddy oh, yeah. is funny. <laughs> and she's like, and Daddy loves me. And so that that's what she wanted. And so that was, he's not my daddy. That's her daddy. So I let her do what she wanted to do on Father's Day. So Yeah, I got to call my, my dad. And uh, I haven't really talked about it on the podcast yet, but my dad has uh, early onset dementia. And you know, he has good and bad days um, in terms of being uh, lucid. But, uh, I mean, you know, most of the time he's he's pretty into it until it, unless it's late at night. But uh, this was a good day, and, and, you know, we're just chopping it up a little bit. Um, I think our conversations have been uh, a lot better even since uh, they came down, even though he doesn't remember that at all. But, really? Um, no, of course not. But, <laughs> he said, of um, course not. But, uh, you know, I think I just have, that gave me like a renewed, uh, you know, just sense of gratitude for him. Um, Mm. But yeah, we had a good, we, you know, had a good time talking, talking with my dad. And um, so that was good. You know, Uh, you, your dad, you sent him to. Yeah, my sister, my parents don't live, my parents and my sister, they, they live in Tennessee and we're out here in Texas. And so. They all, me and my sister got together and they, they ended up taking my father out to a really nice restaurant to know my sister and my brother-in-law. They are foodies and they always know where the best and great restaurants are. And uh, I mean, they good. Now, if you want to eat good, you, you go sit by the hospice, but, (laughs) but, uh, so anyways, my parents, they, they took them there and my sister reserved like a private area for them so it was like they had a private dining area where like they could close the curtain and everything and it was just their table in there and their own little room and so they liked it and so I called my dad and I told him you know typically with my father I you know though I, I love my parents I do but when it comes to my father we've not really had that relationship where I can get all mushy with him 
But as I'm getting older, I'm just really finding it important to let people know how much I love them. And, you know, because I do, there's a lot of people that I love, especially my parents. I'm so grateful that they're still alive and they're still healthy. And so I wanted to just tell him, you know, give him a little mushy little talk one-on-one. So I didn't post a lot on Facebook for Melvin or my father because I wanted to do it in person. And so, but it was great. It's great. Oh yeah, the having Farrah tell me the three reasons why she loved why she loved me. Ah, oh, that was so cool. But um, so let's get let's move into to what we gonna talk about gonna talk, tonight. Yeah. Okay, so so what we're gonna do tonight is if you are familiar with the Christian community at all you should be very familiar with the passage, the Proverbs 31 woman. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because for one, as a woman, we hear a lot about this passage, right? And we can have a lot of different emotions about it. And as a woman, you know, I oftentimes feel like there's so many things that I'm trying to juggle, but Like, I feel like I'm constantly dropping the balls, you know, like I'm juggling, I'm juggling, I'm juggling my career, my, my marriage, my, my kids, my friendships, you know, trying to lead a godly life. And I'm trying to, and all the other things that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to be fit. You know, I'm a runner for those who don't know, and I'm trying to stay healthy and, you know, and I'm just like, I don't have time for everything. And, you know, I want my house to be clean, you know, all these things that women, we can go through in our heads, we can run through this laundry list of things and you know with this passage when you first read it I think a lot of women and I'll be honest like you know I have to dissect this a lot and I right before we came on I read the passage again to bring out some to prepare for this episode and even with me doing that I learned a lot of things that gave me a lot of peace in what I'm dealing with now currently in my current life And so I just felt like it was necessary to kind of talk about this because that's part of our audience, our women, wives, mothers, working women. If if you fall into one or multiple of those categories, I feel like it's just something that as women we struggle with, you know what I'm saying? We struggle with trying to do it all, you know, and we can be convinced that we're failing or we're failures, you know, Um, and this is not something I'm not preaching to you I'm talking about myself with this so I wanted to come on pop in and again this is not going to be a teaching moment this is just some observations and how this passage really speaks to me and how I'm using it and I have my trusty wingman here because as a man I want to see what he what his mindset is when he reads this passage what he's thinking And um, I have some pretty interesting things that I found in some commentaries that may surprise you because it surprised me. But, you know, so let's think, let's jump right in it. First question, Melvin, when you think of a Proverbs 31 woman, what do you think about? Um, so I definitely have not spent, uh, you know, before talking to you, um, and you kind of really start going down this path, I had never really, you know, churned a lot over this scripture at all okay um but uh you know i think in in 
really kind of seeing it lived out in you. I, th I think of, you know, the things that have stood out for me are, you know, when it talks about the value of, of all of these characteristics that, that, that are described in Proverbs 31, um, it gives, it, it talks about the value of that to her husband, right? Mm -hmm. And before we even get into it, do you want to read that? You want me to read the whole passage, you think? Yeah, just go okay. through and read it. So we're talking about... Just that wife and noble character part. Okay, so it's verses, uh, okay, Proverbs chapter 31, and the verses are 10 through 31. So I'll read it. Of course, y'all know, this year I'm in NLT, so that's the translation that I'm in. So let's start here and pick up my big Bible. And it's entitled, A Virtuous and Capable Wife. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spends it. She is like a merchant's ship, bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect the field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bed spreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. And that is the passage. Yeah. Um, That's a lot to unpack. Yeah, and I like uh, one little piece um, that the way the NIV uh, does it right at the beginning. Um, in verse 10, it says, uh, uh, it starts in verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Um, and I think that part, uh, oh, and she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Um, I think, like I was saying before, uh, we t took a pause to read it, is, you know, I like the the beginning, I think, kind of sets the table um, in f for you know, of, of what for me as a husband, if I have a woman or a wife who is striving to have all these characteristics, 
you know, just realizing how fortunate that is. Um, and now they're writing about this wife of noble character, but nobody is this, you know, this is the, the character of the lady, right? So I think um, all the time, action is not a product of character. Uh, sometimes you'll have, you know, I think where character comes in is what are you striving to be? What are you striving to do? Um, not that you're perfect at it, but you are focused on becoming a better wife, mother, whatever, all for the sake of, of God. Um, and I think that in itself is where I've seen the value in my life, where I've seen, just like this says, like her husband lacks nothing of value. Um, once, you know, this became like a, a, a part of your life and you really started focusing on this, I really gained a, a lot of confidence um, in you just un knowing that no matter what we were going through, that you would always be striving to do better. You know what I mean? You're always striving to hit, hit a mark. So, you know, and when I'm thinking about that and I'm remembering that, then it lets me be able to have a lot of grace when you misstep or when you do something that is outside of that character because I know where your heart is and I know I can share something to you with you. And even if at that time you don't agree with what I'm sharing, you'll go back and you'll think about it. And it may take days, weeks, whatever, but I know you're, you, you don't take it lightly and you're working through. So that's the, the first piece of it that I, that I felt. Okay. Well, let me give y'all a little bit of some background of like how, what, what this is to me. Okay. So first off, when I became a new Christian, like I said, if you've had any time in the Christian world, Christian community at all, you have heard this passage referenced. Okay. And you may have heard it referenced in many different ways. Most of the time you probably hear it if you're married at a marriage retreat where they're talking to the women or maybe at a women's day or maybe on mother's day where people are, you know, lifting up the women, whatever. And so when I first became just a little background about me, when I really dedicated my life to God, I was a grown woman at that time. Of course I grew up in the church, but when I really decided to make God, Lord of my life. I was a grown woman who was married. So there was a lot of life that I had lived that in some instances I had to kind of undo some bad habits. Okay. And of course, this is one of those passages that gets referenced a lot. You know, people had used this to kind of help me and guide me and disciple me and things like that. So of course I was quite naturally brought to this passage. So anyways, something else I dealt with it when I was a new Christian coming from the world and have lived a life, had gone to college, got a college degree and started working as a registered nurse, got married, all these things that I had done before I truly committed myself to God. Um, I can't hear myself anymore. Keep on talking. Okay. I can't hear myself at all in my, my ears. So, um, anyways, um, can you pause it? 
Just talk. I get. I, I gotta balance it so you can talk. Okay. Am I being recorded? Yeah. Okay. Well. You be recording? Oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you, what did, I don't know what you did. <laughs> so, anyways, um, it threw me off. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Um, what was I saying? Oh, as a new Christian, um, I also had to really kind of come to terms with what the role of a woman was right and of course as a new naive person to it you know novice you know of course I was looking at people around me and the community that was around me that I could kind of imitate right and to be honest with you and nothing against these these types of women this type of woman okay there's nothing wrong with that but I came in contact with a lot of stay-at-home wives and you know I was fairly a new mother around that time and I really kind of felt discouraged because I've kind of started thinking to myself am I a bad woman because I decide to work and I actually like working and, <laughs> and I don't want to stay at home and work I don't want to stay at home with my children like I, I love my kids but I actually love being a nurse too. Like that's a big part of who I am as well. And so um, all of that to say is I had to start digging into and kind of cutting my teeth. And this passage is something that I really like studied in depth. And part of that, I first started doing just background research on this. And the first question I was thinking was when you read this passage, the first thing I thought was first off hashtag goals, but hypo, who's this woman? Who this woman? Because <laughs> she kind of does everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how can I measure up to this person? And some, I don't know if what I was doing, what I was Googling or something, but the question came up like, okay, who is this based off of? And then I started finding commentary that actually kind of alluded and kind of spoke to that. You have to first remember, this is a poem. So it may not even be based on one particular woman. It could be just an inspiration of women. And then here recently, I also ended up finding some commentary from, from the Jewish community that says that this passage is, target audience actually is not women it's actually men it's kind of an old an ode to women ode or an ode to women and it's something that in a lot of like i guess jewish sects this is from my research that men actually sing this to win women to celebrate them you know what i'm saying and so that's just giving you guys a little background because that was something that I didn't know. And just me Googling that and just like doing research to find out that like, it's so funny because we I oftentimes use this to like help women, but in actuality to think that it may not even be targeted to us anyway. So what do you think about that, Melvin? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that because I think it is uh I've given more thought to this as I've gone along just about what it means to be 
a woman today, and especially in the, in the church, you know, having two little girls, um, I see things way differently now, things that I had never really thought about before. But, um, you know, I think, um, you know, especially in like a, it, we can sometimes um, discount the contribution of a woman and, and the, um, you know, what you guys bring to the table. Even me, because um, let's just keep it real. It ain't like, um, you know, when it's all said and done, you don't need me to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't need me to take care of you. You don't need me to. But I want you. Yeah, but, you know, but we just keeping it real, right? Okay, um, yeah. You know, so even with that, I mean, you're talented, you're a professional woman, um, but I can still not think about, you know, just all the things you got to go through mm -hmm. um, as a woman. Um, and I think it's important for, for us to, as men, to kind of go back over like remind ourselves what we got, because mm -hmm. I, I I know I've I've spoken to a lot of brothers, man, and um, you know ones that have you know as Christians kind of uh, had relationships outside of their marriage, you know, as mm -hmm. Christians, and um, or even not that that deep, even just can't get over stuff, you know what I'm saying? They're like arguing all the time, and you know it reminds me of like I and for me I think I kind of got a uh a unfair advantage on certain things because like you said we were not we we definitely were not uh following the Lord when mm -hmm. we got married no so it's literally like I got to have like the woman I married is not the woman that I'm with now you know Booyah. but for real so it, I but I think I needed that because I'm so I have such a short-term memory, and I can be so ungrateful sometimes. I think I needed to, to easily be able to to see what God is doing in my life. Mm. But to answer your question, um, I, I I can totally see how this could be written with a man in mind, mm -hmm. and with our weaknesses in mind, where we can easily. Um, I, I can't speak for all men. This man mm -hmm. can uh, easily forget how good I have it you know mm. what I mean just in in terms of just having somebody who is got who wants to be godly okay well let me ask you a question okay so what you know of course you made a lot of changes uh when you know you started to follow God but there was a an uptick like when you started when you really started going after this this area of your life and I remember you really going over and uh you know really start to try to 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 really focus on this and be intentional in in what it means to be a Proverbs 31 woman mm -hmm. um, I remember you going through different phases where you're struggling mm -hmm. with it a little bit mm -hmm. and then it seemed like you got it um at some point in time and you saw kind of how it wasn't just this uh, Brady that, like, what do you call it? Who was that lady? Martha Brady or whatever? I don't even know what her name. The Brady Bunch yeah. uh, mama. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, you know, at home and whatever. Yeah. You, you aligned it with 
with how life is today. But yeah. How did that come about? Well, let me see. Where did it, what was the initiator? Well, it really was just trying to redefine what the female role was for me because coming from the world in this day and age, being a woman, you're supposed to be all powerful now, all knowing and stuff. And yes, I was, honey. I am woman, hear me roar. And I mean, to to be honest, I'm still am quite like that, but <laughs> but I had to go, it's levels to this. You know what I'm saying? It's not as clear cut because at the same time I also chose to be married and I chose to also have uh, be a family woman so some things can't coexist in their 100% in entirety so to unpack that for you you know like I said previously I I really kind of was insecure with being a new mother and what that looks like you know and for me growing up, all I saw were working women. Like my mom was a beast of a woman when it came to being a, a, a I mean, like she worked a full time eight to five job. She would get off. I feel like we spent our every, like every day. It felt like we was in Kroger grocery shopping. My mom, we, we never had to go without when it came to food. We never, like if we needed some batteries, my mama, my mama would tell us where batteries were. If we needed an extra toothbrush, she, she knew where the, she had them. It's not like, oh, let me run out and go get them. She already had it stocked up, you know? And so when I became a mother and I'm like, wait a minute, uh, stuff be running out. We don't be having stuff. We don't got no toilet paper and stuff. <laughs> and then to also pair that view that I had with like other women that I had that were, you know, really passionate about them leaving their jobs so they can be at home and, and stuff like that. Like I really didn't know where I fell in all of that because there was a part of me that's like, I don't think I'm either one way or the other, you know what I'm saying? And so I had to go through like a, journey of like what does that mean for me not what it means for jan or ann or stan or whoever you know what does that mean for kimberly and so this passage surprisingly really really opened that up for me so one of the things one of the first things that i did was just like I said, doing background research. Cause I wanted to know, was this based on one woman? Because if it was based on one particular woman, then I could study her life out and see what she did. And I found a commentary point where they were thinking that some people had speculated that it was Lydia who was mentioned in acts and to know who Lydia is, is to know that she was a very wealthy woman. Um, you know that she's married, but you do not. They don't speak of the name of her husband, just like in Proverbs 31 in that passage. We don't really know much about her husband. We don't even know what he does, but we know everything that we know is about this woman. So same thing with Lydia. So it, that was, that made sense. And plus also in Proverbs, it says that she is a textile seller because it says that she, um, where does that say? that she, she brings in different like linens and, and she has purple linens and, you know, to just a little history. Let me just give y'all a little knowledge. Okay. So in that day and time, purple linen was very expensive and it was hard to come by. So if you were a person who had it, 
it was assumed that you had some type of prestige or you had money. Now, Lydia, on the other hand, was a person who was a seller of purple linen. And she, there was a particular port city that, that was on the, the, um, that was on the port that was on the, the water and it was called Thyatira and they were known for making purple linen. They were able, they were known for dyeing linen because the process of dyeing something purple was very, it was very tedious. Like I, I read the process was like you had to get a drop of it from a, a snail, or like a snail. You can only get a drop from a snail. So to dye a whole garment would take a lot and it would take a lot of time. And so that is what made it so expensive because it was rare. But Lydia, who's mentioned in Acts, she lived, She that was her profession. She sold purple garments. She dyed it, all that stuff like that. She had a business. And she lived on in this city that was known for it, Thyatira. And, of course, she came in contact with the apostles and the good news. And her and her whole household became disciples. And she opened up her home to them to be kind of like a haven for them. But it's also known that she was also wealthy because she had homes, not only in Thyatira, but also in Philippi. So when you read, when you know her story, and then you also know the story of the Proverbs 31 woman, it's not hard to say that, okay, maybe she could have been an inspiration, but who's to say? And then I also read a commentary that just Keep it simple. It's a point and it's an inspiration of a lot of characteristics. You see what I'm saying, Melvin? Mm-hmm. You, you you smell what I'm cooking over there. I do. Okay. So anywho, um, let's jump into the text because I can kind of give some of what I was feeling as we talk about certain things in certain scriptures, verses that really that I cling to now. So started at the beginning. So let's just even define the words virtuous and capable quickly. Virtuous is having high morals. So this is a woman that has high morals. Capable is able to achieve efficiently whatever one has to do. Competent, handy, skillful, effective. So when you say a virtuous and capable wife, whatever she is, whoever she is, is somebody who is capable and competent and skillful at whatever she does. In some texts, it talks about a woman of valor. And valor is, the definition of that is having audacity or fearlessness. So this is the context of who we're talking about. This, These are like the overall theme. This is the overall arcing theme of what this woman is. And the reason why I mention this is because as women, we can get so caught up on what this particular woman is being described as, but we forget that the name of the whole thing is that she is a woman of high morals. She is a woman who is competent. She is a woman that is fearless. She is a woman that's audacious. That's what the overall title of the whole passage is. And so I think as women, we can look at this passage and become defeated because we're like, oh my gosh, this woman's getting up early in the morning. She cooking, she making, she sewing, she out there working. She, you know, her husband's satisfied. Her kids are happy. Her house probably smells like food and cookies and all this stuff. But this is just them 
I think the author was trying to paint a picture of what these are characteristics, you know what I'm saying? And whatever, and clearly every woman is not like this particular person being described. There are women in many different walks of life, but we cannot neglect the overall arching theme, which is that she is of high morals. She is skillful. She is competent. Want to ring in there, Melvin? Um, yeah, I can. Um, Again, I, I think it's, it's imp for me, I, I like to look at that overarching theme um, because I, being on this side, I've seen kind of the, the growth that you've kind of gone through um, to get to this point, to get to this point um, where, uh, you know, I remember, you know, some, sometimes you would have some discouragement, you know, reading through the scripture and as a you know one example is you going back to work after our first kid oh. three weeks oh you know gosh, and I know that really tore at you in in tore and I know for there's a lot of women out there who like we just live in this new age right where yeah. um you know it seems like women are called to like make these decisions and me and you talk about this all the time mm -hmm. where where um you know, it's all, and, and I hope, I hope I don't sound, you, you guys got to give me some mercy if I come off the wrong way, but like, it's almost to me as a man, it almost seems like, um, womanhood is being, um, it's almost like it's being downplayed. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a weak thing. Mm, and speak on it. I almost feel like there's this competition to say there's no difference between a man and a woman and the women are just like men and we can do this and we can do that and all these these things to kind of um, break down, you know, to kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know, like to, to this thing of like equality and whatever. And um, I think that to me, it almost comes off as like, of course, you know, when it comes to opportunities and things like that, there should be equal opportunities. But I think beyond the, the I think you could have a conversation about equality without saying we're the same. Men and women are completely different. Like we are completely different. And it's for a reason. Like the things that you, that, that make up, what a woman brings to the table that a man cannot bring to the table period um, is, is strong in its own way. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, man, I can, it just seems like I, and it, when you were going through this and especially the, you know, going back to work and, you know, I, I saw the stress that, that it put on you mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, all these things you had to, you, you felt like you were expected to do yeah. and feeling like you were not being a good mom. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I just, I was like, gosh, man, this is what, what she got to go through. This is what she has to, to feel yeah. like. I feel like as a woman in this day's society, like we can't catch a break. Like on one hand, people are telling you, you shouldn't work. You should just take care of your kids. This is the most important time of their lives, which I agree that it is an important time of their lives while they're growing up. But then it's like, then you got this whole other group of people who have 
raise their children and they're empty nesters and they're telling the young women like I've lost myself I don't know you know who I am my life was devoted to my kids and might I add I actually you know have witnessed my own mother once me and me and my sister moved out of the house my mom like my mom told me she was like you guys were my hobby you know and she's having to she had to redefine what her life was and to see that and to do have that before I became a mother, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to have to keep a piece of me. And mind you, that God did not create us just to be wives and just to be uh, mothers. Though those are good roles. I, I mean, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I love it. But that may, that may not be the call for everyone. You know what I'm saying? That made everybody ain't going to get married. Everybody doesn't want children. So does that mean that those people need to go under a rock and die? No. And <clears throat> might I also add that I was a whole person before I became Melvin's wife and Farron Fallon's mother. So there were things that God planted in me before I even knew who these people were, which became my family. But before I even knew who y'all were, I was a whole person that had likes and desires and stuff like that. And for me, my liberation came when I embraced that because there's still people who probably, I mean, I don't think nobody bold enough to say nothing to me because to know me is to know I really, I'm kind of sister girl. <laughs> so ain't nobody really just going to come and try to check me. Like I, I'm, I, I've been told I'm intimidating. So ain't nobody going to come and flat out tell me these things. But I'm pretty sure some people that I know probably look at me and say like, you know, maybe think that I'm selfish because I work or I don't know. But you know what? I don't care. And that was a journey to get myself there that I don't care. And let me speak to one of the things that Melvin said. You know, we talked about in a previous uh, episode how I went back to work when my oldest daughter was three weeks old, okay? Well, I remember the day I dropped her off and I was trying to hold it together. You know, I had all this anxiety. I was tense, all these things. And my best friend, Valeria, hey girl, um, who is also my oldest, uh, my oldest, one of my oldest is, uh, godmothers, um, she knew I was going back to work, you know? And so as I dropped Farrah off, I ended up, I was walking back to the car and I could feel my face getting hot. My eyes were starting to well up. I knew I was just going to cry in the car, you know, just like Red did on Friday. I knew I was going to cry in the car. Okay. God, I mean, this had to be the Holy Spirit because as I was walking back to the car, my phone rang and it was Valeria. And the first thing out of her mouth was, how are you doing? And I just bawled, cried, and I was on the phone. And where I was working was about a 45-minute drive away. Valeria talked to me the whole time there, getting me, getting my focus and my perspective right. And one of those things I remember telling her was like, I feel like such a bad mother. Like, what mother leaves her three-week-old with somebody? And she was like, a mother who loves her child because guess what being a mother Kim is not just putting a bottle in their mouth and putting a diaper on their tail you are putting your big girl panties on and you're getting out there and you are you and your husband are putting your hand to the plow to make sure that your child is provided for 
that she said that takes a lot of courage and I remember that to this day and those words have gotten me through so many hard times and so that was the start of it that was the start of the journey and really accepting that like God made me who I am and I don't have to explain that to anybody and you know, dare I say, even my own husband, I love him to death and I take his opinion into account, but I am still who I am, you know? So yeah, I know that was a little spill. <laughs> I know that was a little spill because I'm passionate. Spill. I'm passionate, passionate about this. <laughs> uh, you know, but I think that uh, it's important for, for people out there um, to understand that it doesn't matter. It, I, I've kind of seen that there's this, uh, I don't know, man, this battle of like ideologies between women that work, moms that work and moms that stay at home where I've seen insecurity on both sides of it. Um, And and again, I think it's it's to these crazy. It's almost either way, man, is difficult Mm -hmm. because you you have to go. And I think it's it's beyond it's, it's for all of us. You know what I mean? God made us a certain way. And we have to feel free to um, operate with with where the spirit is leading us. Yeah. But I do think regardless of the fact, uh, a woman who is, uh, and, and I'm not saying that this is just a woman's duty, but we're talking about the virtuous woman right mm-hmm. now. Um, a woman who is uh, working still has... Uh, just like this lady, because she was earning money. She was mm-hmm. doing things. She was wise with that, but she still kept the home together mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. Just because you are working from, just because you are a stay at home mom, that you still have a responsibility to the upkeep of, of the finances and whatever else. So you still have both of those things. None of, neither one of those things can you just, um, kick a boot to but um mm-hmm. i think as a one thing i will add in as a man um seeing this uh you know i i've i've always looked at it as you know i i always want to try to we don't have man and woman tasks in our house mm-hmm. um i've always been really hands-on with the kids um really uh I try to make sure, and and I really appreciate Kimberly for giving me kind of the space to become very comfortable with our kids so that, um, you know, it it doesn't really matter which way it goes. But I had to come to the understanding, and I didn't get it at first, but it's no replacing mom. So I could be the best dad in the world, but, um, you know, these things that that, uh, Proverbs uh, 31 describes man it, it the truth is is that there's no it's more valuable than rubies because there's no nothing that i can i cannot be you for the kid for the kids and um you know i think that should be res- you know respected and if i had any wish for my daughters is that they'll see the fact that um they'll feel free to be authentically themselves as a woman Mm -hmm. whether it's to be career driven Mm -hmm. whether it's to raise you know just uh you know be a mom yeah um but if they choose to just be a mom and i say not just be a mom i I hope that i would like them to not take it as 
I'm just going to be a mom. Yeah. It's, this is my job. And mm-hmm. I, and I like, you know, there's a lot of women in our church who are stay at home moms. And, uh, I see some of them approach it in that way where it's, it's impressive, man. They're like, uh, you know, I think like Shantae, like she is like a, a well-oiled machine. Oh, and I, yeah. and you know, she still is in the military and all that kind of stuff. But, but I do look at, uh, it, that's a couple of the meals. Um, and, uh, you know, she recently, uh, started, uh, you know, stopped working and, um, you know, she really approaches it like a, like a job. I mean, like them boys be on a schedule. Mm -hmm. They have they stuff in order, you know, like they, I mean, it's, no, there ain't no laziness there. (laughs) And it's admirable. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all about it. You could, it's all about it and how you approach it. And I think for you guys out there that, that are listening to this man and, um, you know, read the scripture and really think about, you know, what you have. If you got a wife who is, who is really trying to, to do her best for God, man, you got to, it's a blessing, man, because you, you can always have confidence. The NIV says he has, she, she never likes, he, he has full confidence in her. And I can say that for my wife, she is far from perfect. And we argue all the time about stupid stuff. What'd you say there, boy? But I know at the end of the day, she's always striving to, to, to be righteous. You know what I mean? That, and for either one of us, that never plays out as perfection all the time. And probably most of the time we misstep, but just being able to trust where our heart is, is, is great. Um, well, uh, something I wanted to, uh, make a point of, and I don't want it to seem like we're just like making this about, stay-at-home moms versus, like, working moms, okay? And the reason why we just brought that up is because that was my struggle, Mm -hmm. okay? And that is something that I still have to make sure that I have the right perspective on. And like I said, like, in some translations, you will find that instead of it saying the virtuous woman, it says a woman of valor. And, again, that definition is audacity, fearlessness. So it really a woman of valor it's not talking about what you do but how you do it so whatever you choose to do whether you you are a stay-at-home mom or you a work-at-home mom or work outside of a home mom or a grandmother or, 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 or don't have children or whatever we are called let's not neglect let's not forget that overall theme is that we're supposed to be virtuous women of high moral standards. We are supposed to be capable people who are competent people who are skillful, you know, and then if you're looking at valor, then we're supposed to be fearless in what we do, whatever it is that we do, we're doing it with audacity, you know, so that it doesn't talk. It does not mean what you do, but how you do. And so let's quickly just kind of go through, just pull out some things to kind of like review some stuff and then we'll be done. Okay. Yeah. And let's look at it in terms of kind of relating it to, to certain, you know, real life things. Yeah. yeah. What we struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see here. 
you know, I think you fleshed out the whole thing about the, uh, in, in verse 11, her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. So I think you really touched on that really good. So we'll move on and I will bring it on to, um, verse 14 and 18. So because I struggled, like, and like I said, and it's this, I've come a long way with this y'all. Like I said, I did not know anyone really that stayed at home when they, when I was a child, all the women that I knew, all my friends, mothers, they worked. That's all I knew, you know? And so again, because I want to really apply God's word, you know, I, I did want to know, am I supposed to be a person who doesn't work? You know, if I decided to be a family woman, should I, you know, God, are you telling me I shouldn't work? So, I, I mean, I had to actually, I, I couldn't dismiss that thought. I had to actually dive into that. And so one of the things that I'm so happy because again, y'all, I love being a nurse. I love it. It speaks to my personality and this may not be, this is my struggle. This is my thing. And we're relating it to what, you know, what I went through. So when I read this verse, starting in verse 14 through 18, it talks about this woman. Yeah. She works very heavily in the home, but she works outside the home. She works. I mean, that's just the overall thing is she works. Okay. Whether in or out the home, she works. It talks about this woman getting up early in the morning. So that was convicting because I wasn't getting up early in the morning and I actually was quite against it. But um, it's something that though I am not a morning person, I know that my best self is when I arise before my family gets up because it's almost like I can get myself settled before the chaos starts, for lack of better words. I mean, like, you know, I, I feel like I'm a, a dog chasing my tail if I get up around the same time as my kids or if my kids get up after me. So it's always better for me to get up so I can prepare my day just like this woman is. Um, also, it talks about she goes to inspect a field and buys it. And with her earnings, check that, her earnings, not her husband's earnings, but her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So even in verse 16, this is a woman who, for all practical purposes, she's a businesswoman and she's an investor. Because like, it says that this woman goes out here and she inspects. Look at that word, inspects. In other translations, I think NIV, it says that she considers a field. So she's not randomly throwing money away. She's not frivolously buying stuff. Like she is being shrewd. She is being thoughtful of what she's doing. And her thought is, okay, so what can I do? Like when I read that, that's what I think of. It's a woman who is like, okay, this field is going to produce this for me. And then it says it, it says from her earnings, from that field, she is able to then go and plant a vineyard, you know, and to think about what it takes to have a vineyard, that's expensive. Like think about a wine vineyard. It's expensive. Like the presses, the press that you have to have, the, the, the materials, the seeds, the grapes, the peat, the, the hands, the stage hand, not stage hands, the field hands. That's, that's an investment, you know? And so also it says that she makes sure that her dealings are profitable. 
her lamp burns late into the night. So this is a woman who rises early and if she needs to, she stays up late, you know? And so that's very convicting because in those times I had to ask myself for the goals that you have, Kim, are you putting in the effort for that? You know, like that's how that translated to me. Now I'm not about to go out here and buy no field and plant no vineyard, but like, I know that I have career goals or I have desires, like, you know, even things that are not career. I have goals with my children, you know, like, am I putting in the time with my children to yield those results? You know, when I'm tired at night, am I like staying up to help my child learn how to read so she'll be able to read? You know what I'm saying? Things like that. That's how that translated to my my life. What do you think about that, Melvin? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... Just kind of on this one, I, I it it did uh it really kind of challenged me as well, um, in terms of uh, you know, am I putting out what what I'm am I putting out what it takes to get what I desire, um, and I think that's the lesson for everybody to really learn, um, but in terms of of how I, how it looked like in motherhood and um you know, you being a wife, definitely, um, I can see, you know, it just takes a lot of effort, man. And it's, mm. and it sometimes can seem like it's not like, man, I gotta, you know, I gotta go to work and then I gotta come home and do all of these things. And I know for me, um, with, with you, um, you know, it, it also gives me, uh, it gives me a challenge for things that I need to do. You know what mm. I mean? Because, um, you know, I do want to participate and be, you know, be um, as much of a partner in these things as possible. And, you know, you talk about, like, staying up and reading with Farrah. Like, I I cannot stand, like, um, you know, I can get lazy at night. I just want to go and chill. You know, but um, when I saw, you know, kind of the way you were interacting with her and things like that, it, I was like, you know what, man, I know that I've got the patience to help her read. By the way, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my part. You know what I mean? I'm going to make sure I'm I'm helping her because I know at the end of the day, I want my child to excel academically um, as far as she can. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be. And, and I always thought about like parents being lazy with their kids and I could kind of do the same thing. So it really challenged me to, um, you know, shake out and, and start to, to make sure I'm putting in that effort. But, um, yeah. So, um, one thing I did want to look at, uh, in this was, um, in verse, uh, 23, um, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Um, you know, I think this point is a, is a challenging one. Um, not so much for us, but I think for people in general. Um, and I do remember when, when you, I can't remember what the message was we heard, but I do remember you came and, um, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, I can be a little bit aloof and, um, you know, sometimes 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm a typical artist. Like my, my brain works like an artist. So sometimes time and, and different things are not, uh, you know, my strong point. If I were to scan around my room here, it's always going to be a reflection of whatever thing I'm working on at the time. So sometimes you may see um, tablature all over the floor or, you know, today there's a bunch of MIDI controllers. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily get played out to the rest of the world because at my job and in different places I could present myself as, you know, I, I work to be on point in those things. But um, there were a couple of times where Kimberly would like make a little jokes about, about it. Um, in people in public with other people. Yeah. With other people. And it didn't really bother me because like, I listen, man, I've come to grips with my strengths and my weaknesses and you know, Hey, it is what it is. And I don't want nobody to get a, you know, it, it is what it is. But uh, I remember you came up to me and were, and you, you know, you apologized for it. And, um, you know, and it was with this scripture in mind, like, mm -hmm. because it did, you know, it did uh, create w without me really caring, but it did create a, a or at least feed a narrative that would lead to me not having as much respect. And I didn't really think about it at the time until you said something and I really appreciated it. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other thing that I think in this is a lot of times as husbands and wives, man, we can have our issues in the house and, um, you know, they got to stay in the house, man. You mm -hmm. cannot take these things out in, in, in your effort to, uh, vent or whatever else. You just putting these things in the street and you painting your husband in a bad light where people are only going to see him at his lowest denominator, you know, at his lowest point, you know, um, and I, go ahead uh, to give just to give some background because people may not know. So it says that the husband was able to sit at the city gates. So at the city gates is where a lot of the business was taken care of. So you had elders that were there. A lot of law decisions, uh, judgments were made. Justice was made there. So people that were there, they knew of the goings and the comings of the city, of the town. And so the men that sat at the city gates, they were of prestige. They were of, um, they were of, um, you know, power in a sense, because like I said, they were able to make decisions. People brought different things to them and they made decisions on that. So for them to bring that up, that means that her husband was highly respected and was considered someone that was wise and things like that. And you wonder why would they throw that all in while we're talking about her? Well, it's to say that like, how else would he been able to be respected the way that he was? And I even saw in some commentary that one of the reasons why he was respected was because of her and her dealings, you know, in the city. You know, I don't know if that's true, but speaking to Melvin's point is, is that if she was out there gossiping about her husband and telling a dirty laundry to anybody who wanted to hear he would not be respected in the city you like that. And I know as women, we can feel like we have to vent. And not to say that you don't need to 
have a safe person to talk to, but you know who those people are and it shouldn't be a lot of them. Like we have one couple that knows our dirty stuff. (laughs) And I think that it, and, and so this is a thing where I think it's, it's, a, it's together, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to, um, you know, talking about issues, I think, I mean, the Bible, you treat it just like the scriptures say, you know, if you, if you guys can't get it together, then you go and you grab somebody else, but it should be a, at the, it ultimately you should all come together and be talking about these issues. Cause the big thing is that I think the other piece of, of this for me, the other piece of being respected is not just because Kimberly doesn't go out and, you know, talk behind my back because she definitely goes and gets advice and talks to uh, people. But I think is what is the goal in that? It's to make me a better man, you know, um, challenging me when I am uh, in the wrong, not dis- not being disrespectful, but but challenging me through the scriptures to make sure that, you know, I am on point asking me about my life and then, you know, being willing to have other couples to, to come into our lives and, and give us that mentoring. And, you know, we, on the last podcast, we talked about, um, a time we had together with, uh, a couple of, uh, the Jacksons that came by and really it was just a, uh, it, you know, it. I was the the topic of conversation for a lot of it, hmm. and um, you know, I was tempted to feel some type of way about it, and, and even think about this scripture, like, man, you just put me out here like that. But that's not the case. She's she's wanting me to be respected. You know what I mean? Not let me have any blind spots in making sure that, you know, I'm I'm presenting my best me, um, anytime that I I. I walk out of this house. Um, and that flows both ways yeah. too, you know, cause he, you know, we've had to have those conversations like, you know, like we a team loyalty. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. why I be like loyalty. We got loyalty to each other, you know, and I never want to paint Melvin in a bad light. Like I want people to have the best, not to, not to paint a fake picture of him. That's not what I'm doing. But people don't need to know all the his bad qualities. You know, I'm his wife, not them. You know, I'm the one that knows him intimately. So I will know his good and his bad. I'll know his very best and his very bad. So that's not for everybody to know. And that's how you protect each other. You know what I'm saying? And the goal of, of any of those conversations are... Is, is if I'm going out and I'm talking to somebody about Kimberly, I'm not doing it to vent. To gossip. Or- I'm doing it to pull somebody in so that we can work on whatever it is that we, we got to work through. And and I think, you know, that's the challenge. Yeah. Um, and, and that was something. That was a marriage retreat. I think it was our first marriage retreat that we were able to attend with our church right after I got baptized And, um, that was what the woman stood up and talked about. And she was saying like, that was a challenge. And I really was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? You could think that you're joking or it's light banter, but like, I don't want people to like 
see my husband, I want them to see him for who he, the best that he is, not for the worst that he is. And that goes both ways. The husbands, y'all need to do that for us too. If your wife, let's say your wife ain't the best cook, well, everybody in the world don't need to know that. <laughs> like, especially if she's sensitive to certain things too, you know? So, um, were, was there any other ones you wanted to uh, touch that's base what on? I was looking well no and I just the last point that I wanted to make kind of going back to the title like what I was saying it's like this poem is kind of like a what it was described as an ode to women and I think it brings it home in the very last verse last two verses it says charm is deceptive and beauty does not last but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised reward her for all she has done let her deeds publicly declare her praise and i when i read that after learning that in some sects that sect sex i don't y'all i'm not yeah s-e-c-t uh (laughs) (laughs) that that they the men actually sing this to the women. That actually makes sense when you read those last two verses. Yeah. That, that she should be publicly praised, you know. And so this isn't just about us women. We could take a lot from this, but I think men can take a lot from this as well. And um, again, just the lad, just summarizing it all up, you know, we, whatever you decide to do, do it with high morals, be competent in it, be skillful, be fearless, be audacious. That's what you strive after. Don't get so tunnel vision on what this individual person was described to be doing. Do what God has called you to do it and do it as if you're working unto the Lord. That's basically what it comes back to. And you got anything else before we sign out? Um, yeah, just one call for the guys. Um, you know, um, hold on here. I should have had this already up, but. You're going to laugh when I read it because I should have had this. Uh, here we go. I love a tune. I just paraphrase. Um, You know, in in Ephesians, when it talks about husbands and wives, in Ephesians, when it talks about husbands and wives, and, uh, you know, here we go. Uh, Ephesians uh, 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he, he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of, uh, of water with the word so that he may, might present her. I'm sorry. So he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any other thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So, you know, as a husband, it's our job to uh it, it, it likens it to how Christ treats the church you know cleansing the church with water and the word um with the mission of presenting it holy and blame and blem unblemished and um you know 
I think for me, I can really get into the uh, habit of trying to fix things, tell Kimberly what I would like her to do better, what I would like, you know, talk to me this way, do this type of thing. And all of these things that are really kind of just off the top, these are just things that I think are important, right? Um, You know, and as men, we are called to uh, help our wives with the word, you know, and do what we can do to um, help them to grow in their character and vice versa. But um, I think we can read this Proverbs 31. And these are the things that rather than, hey, can you cook my favorite dish or can you, um, you know, let me let me watch football for this amount of time. I think really moving toward a challenge for me is going to be to to really concentrate on moving towards these spiritual things. Help! I know these are her goals, but if they weren't, I should be helping to encourage her to have these goals. And so as a husband, these are the things that you should really be um first of all, getting a strong conviction for yourself on that these are things you should value. And then second, these are the things that, that you should be leading your family in and really um, encouraging your wife um, to get towards, but also, and even more, when you see these characteristics come out, um, like praise them and make sure that you are not just in the home, but find opportunities to publicly um, uplift your wife. I am horrible at, at this thing. Like I'm so grateful for my wife and I love her and, but I am horrible at, at just doing the last piece of the scripture, you know, lifting her up in public, um, you know, intentionally finding ways to do it. And, and, and not just for, you know, all my wife is pretty, my wife is smart, but for these godly principles that she, um, or these godly virtues that she displays in our household, um, I need to be lifting them up in public. I need to be lifting them up to my daughter, making sure my daughter sees like, you know what, look what your mommy does here. She's giving to the poor. We didn't talk about that, but it talks about that in those scriptures, really pushing that out to the forefront and letting that be something that is, uh, championed in your family. So that's for you guys, man. Like, read this and gain a real appreciation. I, I've never read Proverbs 31 for me. I just read it just as, you know, whatever. <laughs> you read it yeah. for me. <laughs> well, and, and not to tell you, but, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. You know, I'm going to dig into it and read it for myself, you know, to, to really grow from that. But, um, yeah, that's all I have. All right, come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. Anyways, well, guys, we thank you guys for tuning in a yet another week with us. And we hope you all enjoyed it. And this is Melvin. Oh, wait, 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 oh. wait. Before we sign off, make sure you follow us on oh. Twitter uh, at SoulSense. S-O-C. SoulSense Society. So SoulSense Sos. Yes. Soul Sense S O C on Facebook. It's on Facebook. It's the Soul Sense Podcast, and on Instagram, it is Soul Sense Podcast as well. Yeah. What's our website? Uh, SoulSensePodcast.com. Now ain't that easy? Come on, somebody. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, so <laughs> uh, guys, thank y'all again for tuning in. This is Kim and my trusty wingman, Melvin, and we hope you guys have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.